take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page, Couple Synergy, or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences with working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, Gene and I will be interviewing Annette Presley. Welcome to the podcast, Annette. Hi, thanks for welcoming me and having me on this podcast. I'm so excited to be here. We are definitely excited to have you on as well. Annette is an author, speaker, and highly skilled functional nutritionist, and she has over 25 years of experience helping women improve their health. Uh, she created the Thrive Fertility Process. Is that correct? Thrive yes. Fertility Process mm-hmm. with practical and simple to implement strategies women can use to get their body ready to conceive, carry, and deliver a healthy baby or thrive through menopause. And uh, I think you added a little bit for fun there. And that might, why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit, uh, you know, kind of a little bit about you yourself personally? Yeah, so um, I've actually been married 31 years. Oh, so, congratulations. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's quite an accomplishment these it days. Is. It definitely um, is. But I've got two kids in college and uh, two Shih Tzus, and uh, everyone's still at home, so that's kind of nice. <laughs> it's a full <laughs> house. Let, yeah, not ready to <laughs> let go of the kids yet. That's awesome. Um, and I love to cook, um, and I love experimenting in the kitchen, um, especially I finding... Uh, easy ways to make vegetables taste good, but oh, I really that's a skill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really love it when someone else cleans up. So, Jean is not a vegetable eater. Yeah, I'm. Well, yeah, I'm a nutritionist, and I don't like vegetables. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have a pretty good war with vegetables. Oh my gosh, she <laughs> it's does. It's lifelong, yeah. right? So you know, we've we've done a podcast about infertility. We've done a podcast about. Um, adoption as well. It is a very big issue in, in today's day and age, would you say? Oh, yes. it's And it's growing. I think at least uh, 6 million couples, it might be 7 million right now in the U.S., um, are having trouble conceiving. Wow, that is a huge statistic. Do you know any statistics that are like, you know, 50 years ago as opposed to today? Because I would guess no. with our food supply, it's gone up considerably. Yeah, it, it's definitely gone up. Um, it's never been this high before, but mm-hmm. yeah, we, we definitely have food issues. You know, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the podcast is because I think a lot of people know about resources like going to a doctor and trying, you know, to get pregnant that way. And they may, might have heard of acupuncture, some things like that, but we really wanted to give them more information about ways they could help themselves and not just to potentially get pregnant and carry a child, but also to have greater, you know, emotional and horm- mm-hmm. hormonal health that I think a lot of women are struggling with. 
Yeah, and that's such a huge problem nowadays. Um, and I think part of the problem is we have so many hormones in our food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't have those before. And then we've got plastic and, and just toxins everywhere that kind of contribute to that. So, yeah, we're bombarded. <laughs> How did you get into this kind of work? Um, I actually got interested in nutrition when I was 16. We had um, an aerobics class for PE in high school. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be an aerobics instructor because it was fun. Um, so I, <laughs> I, picked, I picked up uh, Shape Magazine at the grocery store periodically, and the nutrition articles just really interested me. So when I went to college, I put nutrition down as my major. I had no idea there were actually jobs in the field. You know, I didn't even know it was a thing. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I put it down and nobody said I couldn't. So, <laughs> um, and then I just took a nutrition class the summer after high school and found out about registered dietitians and just all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how I got into it. I kind of have a funny story about nutrition. It's on the other end of it. I joined the army and I signed up to be a nutritional cook, (laughs) which basically (laughs) meant that I worked in hospitals and military hospitals and made bland food and pureed food and stuff like it was terrible. It had really nothing to do with nutrition except what weird diet they were on. It was like an oxymoron, right? Like military intelligence, (laughs) military nutrition. Yeah, I quit that after a year and became a military police because that was that was a terrible job. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, even nowadays in the hospitals, the food isn't all that nutritious. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. You know, so there, I, we have seen several like Netflix videos, you know, movies about nutrition, and you know, people are trying to get the word out there about what is healthy and what is unhealthy, and I think people are just really confused. Right. And, and I think yeah. it's affecting oh, yeah. not just, you know, them personally, individually and in their their health, but it's affecting their their relationship with their their spouse is affecting their kids, you know, and it's just systemic. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the like documentaries on Netflix, like uh, Forks Over Knives or What the Health, um, a lot of them contain misinformation for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I I take the approach, I don't recommend any specific diet uh, because I think we're all different and there is no one size fits all diet. Um, So making everyone vegan is not going to uh, help us at all. In (laughs) fact, some people will suffer some severe health issues as a vegan um, because we're um, like for myself, I actually have some genetic inability to convert vitamin A or beta carotene to vitamin A. So if I don't eat animal foods, I'm not going to get the vitamin A I need to keep my system healthy. How do you find something like that out? um, I guess you'd have to research it because Mm -hmm. nobody's talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, And I think that's the hard part is, you know, how do you know which foods are are healing for you and which foods mm-hmm. are hurting you because it isn't like chocolate. Sometimes it's just an apple that right. you might not process well. Right. And so my um, number one advice is to pay attention to your body. So when you're eating foods, how do they make you feel? And if they make you feel like crap, they're probably not the best foods for you to be eating. Um, you know, if they make you feel good, you've got more energy, your bowels are moving normally. Um, you're not bloated. Um, you know, that you're sleeping well at night, then you're probably doing the right things. 
And yeah. so that's the number one. You got to pay attention to your body and not what your friend says because her body is not yours. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's really great advice because I, I, you know, many people, they get disconnected from their body and mm -hmm. they're not really able to, you know, connect with what is their truth and what is really important for them. Right. I mean, I think I've heard, you know, multiple uh, medical professionals say keto diet is the, is the way to go. Right. And definitely have tried right. that and, and <laughs> did not help me very much at all, you know, and then there's a Netflix video about, you know, vegetarian going all, all vegetable diet. And that doesn't help me either. And so trying to find that balance for me has been a struggle, you know, over the years. Yeah. And, and it is for a lot of people um, because you've, I kind of see vegan on one end and then you've got keto on the other end and there's like this extreme. Um, but there is a dentist back in the early 1900s um, called Weston A. Price. And he went around the world studying various indigenous populations and kind of seeing what they ate, comparing it to the typical American diet. Um, but what he found, um, he didn't find any vegan populations. Um, but he found a wide range of diets that promoted health and it went all the way from mostly plant-based to mostly animal-based. And so, um, we just have to find, you know, within that range, what is optimal for us. And so I suggest starting with kind of an ancestral, uh, type of diet, um, where you're, you're not necessarily avoiding any foods, uh, but you are preparing them properly. Um, so one of the things with uh, grains like wheat and barley and all those, you have to soak them um, in a little bit of water and some vinegar or lemon juice in order to remove some of the toxic things in there that prevent nutrient absorption. Um, and so there's some things like that. That's a, all you need to do, and then you can tolerate them. That's really um, interesting. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, I would not have known that. You know, it's interesting because, yeah. you know, my... Um, ethnicity background is European-ish and his is Pacific Islander Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern. so our son is a mutt mm -hmm. right <laughs> but we try to you know we're a married couple so we eat all of our meals together but we find that we can't really eat, eat the same thing yeah mm -hmm. yeah and that has a lot to do with genetics so I'm like 99.9% .9 Northern European and um, and so I don't have any problem with dairy um, you know, yeah. now mm -hmm. it, a lot of people do. Um, and so you probably, you might not have any trouble with it, but Ray might. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely do. Yeah. yeah. Especially your Filipino side. Right. That's a really big piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause the majority and of Filipinos it, technically are, are lactose intolerant. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really is the Northern Europeans that are the only ones that can tolerate lactose. <laughs> <laughs> Although I love cheese. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you, do better, you do better with sheep yeah, cheese. It's hard to, yeah, sheep cheese I do better right. with, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you can find the other, like the sheep or camel or goat um, that works better for some people, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, what, what about like our son who is, you know, kind of all over the place, you know, and, and as people become more diverse, how do they connect with then the ancestral type of, you know, diet for them because they don't <laughs> really know what that is? Right, and so that is really about experimenting. Um, and so the first thing is you want to start with real food. So we do need to get rid of a lot of this processed food that we're eating because that's not good for anybody. Um, and really none of us can tolerate it. 
Um, you know, we might think we can, but <laughs> it, so does, it when, doesn't work very well. When you say processed food, do you mean like the stuff that comes in a box or is it also like sausage or deli no, meats? Mostly, mostly the stuff that's, that comes in a box that's man-made. Okay. Um, yeah. And so especially when you've got oils in there, like uh, soybean, corn, canola, uh, we didn't used to eat those fats and we're not used to them. And, um, and so they cause a lot of inflammation in the body. And then we've got high fructose corn syrup, and which is just, you know, overly sweet and full of junk. <laughs> and it doesn't go through the, the body the same way as sugar. Um, and so it actually has a significant impact on the liver. And um, I actually had eight and 10 year olds coming to me with fatty liver disease because of all their high fructose wow. corn syrup intake. Yeah. So we really need to go back to eating real food. Um, so cooking at home as much as possible um, and things like meats, dried beans and peas. Uh, you can do grains if you tolerate them, dairy if you tolerate it. Um, but within that, uh, like with dairy, um, I actually drink raw milk uh, because that's the best kind of dairy. Um, but if you can't get that, you can you at least need organic to avoid the hormones. And you also need to avoid um, ultra pasteurized milk. And so that comes in most of the half gallon containers, even organic. And so you'll, you'll need to, you know, look at the labels for that. But it's, it'll say ultra pasteurized. And what does ultra pasteurizing do to the milk? So that pretty much just kills everything. Um, and so that's part of the problem. A lot of the processed food is just completely dead food. And so it doesn't have any life-giving properties um, and bugs won't touch it. And frankly, I, I think we should be a little more discriminating than a bug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. There was a time in my life I remember uh, when I ate more of those kind of processed foods and I remember my stomach feeling really full and my brain feeling starving. Yes, and, and that's the problem is they're full of calories, but they don't have very many nutrients and the brain lives on the nutrients. So the brain is like, well, yeah, yeah I, I get that you just ate 3000 calories, but you didn't give me any vitamin C or vitamin A or D or, you know, I didn't get anything. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to eat more. <laughs> now you use the word organic. And I think that word is just plastered everywhere these days. And yeah, I, I think it's really hard to know what that word means, first of all. And second of all, if it truly is organic. Yeah, and it's getting more difficult. Um, so with organic in the United States, if it has that label, um, it cannot have uh, genetically modified organisms and they cannot use like glyphosate and those types of things. However... If, if the farms are near another farm that uses pesticides, some of that might blow onto the food. Um, and if you get anything from China, honestly, I don't, <laughs> I don't trust anything from China. Um, <laughs> so I always look at the package, um, the origin of the food. And if it's China, even if it's organic, I will not buy it. Um, because they don't seem to have any regulations or any morals or I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they, you know, they, wow. they're putting plastic in rice. So in China, what, what so, percentage of, uh, of our food is coming from China? You know, that's a good question. I don't know, but it's, it seems to be growing. Um, what types because of food? It, you know, cheaper. Oh, everything. Um, processed foods, even frozen vegetables might be uh, cereal. 
um, yeah, pretty much meats are, in, and they're actually starting to grow meat in the United States and then send it to China for processing, oh. which just seems insane to wow. me. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, people it's, should it's definitely check the label and, and see oh, yeah. where it was yeah. processed or where it was made. Yeah. Yes, where it's processed, where it's made. Um, and unfortunately, that's the world we're living in. We just, we have to take these extra precautions if we really want to eat healthy. Um, Now, hopefully, you know, hopefully we can change this at some point. Um, But, you know, when you've got Monsanto lobbying all our senators and representatives, um, it makes it very difficult. Yeah, they they have a lot of money. They they do. (laughs) There's a lot of debate about that, right? GMO or non-GMO. And, you know, you're down in Texas. Texas is a very big agricultural state, right? And so do you... Uh, are you kind of privy to more of, you know, knowledge about agricultural because you are in that, in that area or around that? Um, no, I, I do know we grow a lot of cotton here, um, which is a genetically modified crop. Hmm. Um, but I've just done a lot of research on it. And the problem with, uh, genetically modified organisms is they cause in animals death, infertility and organ damage. Mm. Um, and they've never actually been studied in humans. And back in the 1990s, when they came on the market, the FDA just decided that they were um, just like regular food because nutritionally they had the same like vitamin content kind of a thing. Um, and then they decided that Monsanto, who makes these products, uh, could do the studies to determine their safety. <laughs> so it's, I so mean, it's we've not got regulated. The- no, we've got the fox guarding the hen house no. because Monsanto, of course, is not going to tell us, oh, whoops, our products might kill you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. What are some of the um, symptoms, I guess, I don't know what else to call that, that you would see in some of the people you work with, whether they're children or adults, from nutrition? Uh, so things like allergies, asthma, ADHD, um, any kind of digestive issue, uh, so bloating, um, bowels that are either constipated, diarrhea, or both in some cases. Um, fatigue is a huge one. Uh, emotional, just roller coaster kind of things. Um, not being able to sleep. So, uh, like, a ton of stuff. <laughs> I know. There's probably someone out there just checking off that list. Like, yep, yeah, yep, like, yep. Yep. <laughs> So if somebody pain, was pain, yeah. if somebody was experiencing some of those things and they were going to contact you, uh, what could they expect? Um, so what I do is I, I have a very lengthy intake form. And so I look at your history from birth. Um, and actually, I like to know a little bit about your mother, too, um, because what happens to your mother is passed on to you and actually even your grandmother. Like what kind of um, things? So that's where you might find a lot of hormonal issues and and things like that, or autoimmune problems. Um, And so I like to kind of look at the whole thing. And then I also look at lab work. Um, And so I I look at six core centers of health in the body. And so with the history and the lab work, I can kind of piece together, okay, you know, this is what's going on. This, This is out of balance and this is what we need to do to fix it. And so then I use food and supplements strategically um, to help 
um, balance out those systems. And I also look at genetics if you have DNA testing, um, because that's, um, that's very helpful. So like I said, I have a genetic inability to convert beta carotene, which you find in plant foods, to the vitamin A, uh, which the body needs. Um, and I also do not convert plant omega-3s to the EPA and DHA that you find in fish. Um, and so it's helpful to know those things because then you know, okay, you know, vegan's not the right diet for me. <laughs> I'm, you know, and I used to be a semi-vegetarian and I was tired a lot, um, had allergies, asthma. Um, as soon as I started eating more animal foods, all that stuff went away. So that's, that's really interesting because if you know all that information, you know what kind of supplements are actually going to be beneficial for you. You know, exactly. and, and you know, otherwise you're just flushing those nutrients down, you know, the toilet, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> how, how does yeah, someone tell really what is a good point. vitamin? What is a good supplement? How, how would you know? Um, so anything you find in Walmart is not a good one. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> you need to go to a health food store. Um, so Sprouts, Whole Foods, or Natural Grocers would have good options or um, some physicians. There are supplements, um, like I have supplements that only health professionals can sell. Mm -hmm. And so they're just higher quality and they use better ingredients, um, you know, little, they put a little more effort into them. Because technically the FDA does not regulate any supplements out there, correct? Right, and yes, and we don't want them to actually. <laughs> <laughs> if, honestly, if they did, we wouldn't have access to them. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing. We have access to really good supplements now, but you need to be educated and you need to know what is appropriate and what, what works, what doesn't work. Yes. And again, um, you know, when you're taking supplements, you don't want to start taking a bunch of them all at one time. Um, you want to do it one at a time. And that way you can tell if a supplement is working for you or if you're not going to tolerate it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Sort of like food as well. Exactly. Like systematically yeah. checking your mm -hmm. food. When you work with a couple with infertility, do you work with both the, the man and the woman or just the woman? Yeah. So I mostly work with the woman, but I would love to do like an, a, assessment, my thorough assessment on both of them, because that makes a huge difference. Um, but generally, the principles that I uh, provide for the women are going to work for the man, you know, as we, far as you know, upping the nutrition and everything. Mm -hmm. we, we find that um, when couples get to that point where maybe one person is having more health issues than the other, or maybe both are having health issues, if they don't grow together, if they don't work together at it, then it can be like 10 times harder to focus yeah. on your own health. Would you say that that's the case? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, it, it's much better if both of you can be on the same page, you know, especially when people are like if uh, the wife is trying to lose weight or something and the husband is having chips and cookies and all kinds of stuff in the house. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely want to be on the same page with getting healthy. And, um, and, and that can also bring you closer together. Um, as a couple, um, you know, because it's something you're doing together. You're maybe you'll spend time in the kitchen together, preparing healthy meals, um, you know, with nice conversation and get to know each other a little bit better. Um, now, what about, you know, couples who have to consider different diets, right? And different nutritional mm -hmm. values, all that. How do you suggest that they work through that together? 
if they have to be cooking two separate meals? Yeah, so I try to find the common ground. Um, so what foods can you both eat? And so make those the priority. And then it's very easy. Um, like if you both can tolerate chicken, but maybe you can't tolerate the same spices to cook the chicken and then you each season it separately, oh. you know, on your plate or something. So those things can be done. Um, I know my son, for instance, he doesn't like casseroles or any, he doesn't like his food mixed. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so, so if I'm cooking something that's where it's all going to be together, I'll just uh, take out a piece, you know, part of the meat and the vegetable and the grain or whatever, um, and give it to him on the plate separately instead of putting it together. So there's things like that that you can do, um, but really finding the common ground, getting smaller containers to cook in so that. Uh, let's say one of you can eat chicken and one of you can eat beef, then you can cook those at the same time in the oven with a smaller container um, kind of a thing. Yeah, because statistically, married couples are fatter <laughs> yeah. than single people. So I think we do encourage each other to indulge a little bit. <laughs> so it would be yes. really helpful yeah. to encourage each other to be healthier. And a lot of times, yeah. you know, if we see one person in a relationship start to change dramatically, maybe they lost, you know, 30, 40 pounds and they're working out and now they're eating healthy separate from their spouse and the family, it creates like this divide in the relationship and actually creates, mm -hmm. I mean, they just start drifting more and more apart because they're not aligned, you know, anymore. Right. Yeah. And that, that can definitely happen. So again, that's another reason um, that you want to be on the same page, but I think that could also indicate other relationship issues. Um, you know, if you're not supportive of your spouse, who's trying to get in better health, I mean, you know, you kind of have to ask why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we definitely <laughs> yeah. do. <laughs> you know, and I think when you start focusing on your body, our first relationship is our body, is mm -hmm. how we relate to our body. And if someone really starts to focus and, and get healthier, that's also going to change their emotional state and yeah. their self-worth and all those other kind of things. And I think um, those are some big divides that really impact a couple and we've seen people divorce over that yeah we definitely have yeah well it and it can because um, our personalities are not set in stone either so when we start feeding ourselves better food um, we start thinking better and you know the person that we married might not be meeting you know at the same place that we are anymore um, and that person might think that maybe they married us because they could take care of us and now we're independent or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so, yeah, it can definitely change all of those dynamics. Now, when you have a couple come to you about infertility issues, are they, you know, at what point are they finding you and, and seeking out your, your, your work? Is it they're at a desperate place or are they seeking you out first before, you know, the, the, medical interventions and all of that yeah i like it when they seek me before the medical interventions yeah. um, because it's so much easier to fix the problems without having to also deal with the medications and um and you know the hormonal issues based on the medications and things like that um so yeah i like um usually i like to see them if they've struggled for a year or more um at kind of at that point before they need to be thinking about IVF or 
fertility drugs and that kind of thing. Do you have a story you could share with us about a couple you did help and kind of what was the precursor that brought them in and how you helped them with that? Yeah, so I actually, um, I'll, I'll tell the story of Sharon. And so we went to the same church. I didn't know her that well. You know, we were just kind of acquainted. Um, and so one day I'm at church and, and God told me to go tell her I could help her get pregnant. Mm. And so, <laughs> of course, I, I said, well, I can't just go tell someone I can help them get pregnant. <laughs> did, did you know she was struggling? <laughs> no, I had no idea. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, no. And so that's kind of the fear in me is like, you know, I don't even know if she's trying to get pregnant. Um, and so that went on for a month. And finally, I got tired of it. So I'm like, okay, you know, just get off my back. <laughs> kind of thing. So I went and told her, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant and it's not working, I can help you. And uh, so it turns out they had been trying for almost two years. Wow. And yeah, and they had decided they didn't want to do IVF or anything and that they were just going to, you know, let it happen if it happened and accept it if it didn't. Um, So I met with them and uh, we talked about diet and um, a little bit. And so I, there were a few things that I had her tweak in her diet. And so I actually had her eat more saturated fat and get rid of the vegetable oils that she was eating. And, um, and then I gave her a few key supplements and iodine was one of those. And, um, in three months she was pregnant. I mean, it was, <laughs> that three one, months. It, was it was simple. Yeah. Can you talk more about iodine? Yeah. So iodine is pr- probably about, um, 90% of the population is deficient in iodine. Mm-hmm. And there's several reasons for this. One, we have farming practices now that destroy the soil. So we don't get as much in our soil. Um, We have toxins in the environment um, like bromide, fluoride, and chlorine. And those all compete with iodine for absorption. Mm. And bromide um, is now used in baking products, so bread and and cookies and all those kinds of things instead of the iodized salt or the iodized flour. Um, they use brominated flour. So that's one source. But then uh, pajamas for children are fire retardant. That contains bromide. Uh, If you sleep on mattresses that are fire retardant, Um, furniture, clothes, or um, carpet, um, cars, I mean, bromide is everywhere. Um, so it's it's not surprising that we're deficient because we're competing. We're using all these toxins that don't allow us to absorb it, and then we're not getting as much in our food. Um, and the best sources of iodine are seaweed, or sea vegetables, and you know, seafood, which in the in, in a, the U.S. we don't eat very much of, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Japan, they get a lot of iodine. So but iodine, yeah. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. Do you, well, do you just I, paint I, it on? Do you just go to yeah, the you, you Walgreens could. and get some iodine and yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the better way <laughs> it would be to eat it in the food. Um, but you can also take supplements, um, mm-hmm. except that I highly recommend that you work with a, an iodine knowledgeable practitioner if you do, um, because iodine can be toxic. And this is one of the reasons that you'll never hear about it because most doctors are afraid of it mm. um, because it's toxic. Um, but if you eat it with companion nutrients like selenium and vitamin C, it, you don't really have that problem. Um, but it's involved in, uh, it's actually probably one of the main causes of breast cancer is iodine deficiency. 
Um, and of course, you never hear anybody talking about that. No. You know, and so anything reproductive related, um, a lot of people who struggle with infertility have thyroid issues. So it's one of the nutrients you need for to make thyroid hormone. Um, it's involved in um, fibroids, cysts, um, you know, endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, all of those things can be helped with iodine. And, our, and iodine deficiency is probably one of the causes of those. So wow. it's, it's pretty significant mm -hmm. of a thing and it's an easy fix, <laughs> but nobody's what, doing it. What percentage of the women that you've worked with, with either infertility or other hormonal imbalances is iodine a factor of? Uh, so far, a hundred percent. Wow. A hundred percent. Wow. That's yeah. huge. Mm -hmm. What What about uh, men? And I mean, does it affect them reproductively as well? Yes. And it also affects their prostate. Um, so that's another organ that holds iodine. Actually, every cell in our body has iodine um, and we could not live without it. So it, it's pretty critical for everybody. Um, but yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay. Are there big symptoms if you're if you're iodine deficient, or are they more um, subtle? They're probably going to be more subtle. Mm -hmm. Well, they're going to be hormonal, probably. Um, so you're going to have thyroid issues. Um, if you have picos or endometriosis, obviously they pain, that kind of thing, inability to get pregnant. Um, so it's going to be more symptoms like that. And cancer. And one of the things that you know, I know I asked you off air is you're in texas yes how do you work with people and what's your reach of working with people so i work online i actually have a hipaa compliant platform that i use um, so i can have all my communication in there um, so that way it doesn't get spread out anywhere and you know everybody's safe mm -hmm. <laughs> and everything um, and then so basically just the phone and um, texting within this system is how I, I work with them so i can work with people anywhere which is really nice. So, and and what? How would they get in contact with you and your website, etc.? Yeah, so they could go to my website, getpregnantplan.com, and I have a. Um, if you scroll down a little bit, there a complimentary consultation that I do, um, and this way I can kind of see, make sure that I can help somebody. You know, I find out what they've done before and all that, um, and then we can see if we're a good fit for working together. Um, and that, but it's free, it's 30 minutes. If we don't end up working together, I, I'll at least guide them as far as what their next steps might be. So your specialty is working with, you know, couples who want to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, do you only work with people who want to get pregnant or do you also work with people who just want, you know, kind of more knowledge about nutrition? Yeah, I, I can work with anybody. Um, so the diagnosis doesn't matter because uh, I work with this, the six core systems of health and everybody has those. <laughs> so um, and I work just work on balancing those. So really, I can help anybody achieve better health. Can, can you briefly mention what those six the core are? Yeah, so it's acid um, balance or um, like the you not blood. We're not talking blood here because that's pretty regulated. Um, but you want to make sure you've got the right acid base or acid alkaline balance in the body. Mm -hmm. um, connective tissue health is very important. Uh, inflammation balance. And because we actually need some inflammation. So if you eat a ton of antioxidants, that's not good either. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to balance that out. Um, oxidative stress. Um, so we want to make sure we're balanced out in that area. 
um, aerobic metabolism and the calcium um, balance as well. Okay, great. Is that six? Was that? <laughs> Is that six? I think that's six, yeah. <laughs> so if somebody has a child that has kind of behavioral issues that they're trying to work through or someone is struggling to get pregnant or also another, I think big wheelhouse of yours is women in menopause. Mm -hmm. Yes. And actually with uh, children with learning disabilities and um, that type of thing, iodine is also really important there um, because it affects um, growth and development, but it's also really an important nutrient for brain health. Um, And this is one reason why you really want to make sure you're not iodine deficient before you get pregnant. Would that be a factor of if a child is iodine deficient, it's possible that their mother is or was also during their pregnancy? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we're seeing more ADHD nowadays uh, is because mothers are iodine deficient. And let us know your website again. It's getpregnantplan.com. Getpregnantplan.com. Com. So everyone out there, you know, there's a lot of information on the internet and um, a lot of it isn't correct. So yep. don't, don't go to Google, <laughs> go to people who are, you know, experts uh, in the field and, and know what they're talking about. Yep. Good advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was extremely informative. Um, I'm starting to now think about my own diet and what it is <laughs> that I am eating that I shouldn't be eating, etc. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. And we hope that by listening to this podcast, it was not only beneficial for your life, but also your relationships. And, you know, also for all of you listening out there, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couples Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.